Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host, Nate Moyer. Alongside me are the two knuckleheads, Paul and Ernest. Ernest Watts, Paul Arnold, like I should yuck, say, yuck, the four names. We'll call them knuckleheads like the uh, three stooges. The one yeah. that's on that sports network, we'll, we'll, we'll call them like that. Um, so today we're going to kind of talk a little bit about uh, Stanley Cup, which ended last night. We're going to talk a little NBA draft. And if we've got a little bit of time, maybe we'll throw out favorite hockey movies. So if we don't get to that, we'll go. We'll definitely do that next week. So we're going to kind of jump right into the Stanley Cup. Last night, St. Louis has Boston singing the blues, right? Because the blues oh, won the Gloria, Stanley Cup. Gloria, <laughs> Gloria, I'm, Gloria. Laura, Laura Brannigan just made some resident, residential money right there. So. Oh, yeah. She's probably the happiest yeah, one, right? That's oh. it. If she, I don't think she's still alive. Oh come I on, man! I don't. I think she. It's well, we'll like Deborah Harry from Blondie. Is she still alive or not? Yes, yes, she's still alive. Deborah Harry. Uh, she does some TV. Series. She is dead. Laura Brannigan died in two thousand and four. Oh, you can tell who has this computer open, folks. Oh, I I'm say, sorry. Who, I, useless knowledge. Who would? I just. Face? I just remembered. I had looked back. I thought she had passed of cancer. Well, we're starting to upbeat we're, tonight. Yeah, folks. we're starting to upbeat tonight, folks. But uh, it's, okay, it's like the heirs. The heirs of Laura Brannigan really enjoyed that the Blues won. So game seven last night, uh, St. Louis beat Boston. Was it was the final four to one, guys? I yes. think it was four zip, and Boston got a meaningless goal in the end. Yeah. Um, so four to one, St. Louis. Great story from worst to first. They were in last place. Was it December thirty first, January first? Right there, they were in last place. Um, fired their coach. Got got a got a new coach that's now the interim coach. I think pretty sure we all know that's going to be dropped and he's going to just going to be the the head coach after winning the Stanley Cup. I don't really know what more you need to do on your resume to get moved up and lose the interim tag. But um worst of first, I think there was a guy that that bet 400 bucks and when they were in last place and they won the Stanley Cup and he won $100,000. So kudos to him. Uh, their goalie Bennigan was fantastic last night. The Blues goalie. So, anyway, Paul, what do you think? What, what are your thoughts on how everything went? Were you happy with the outcome? What, what was your biggest surprise? Okay, as the only co-host tonight who's actually played hockey, I will say that Bennigan was out of his mind last night. There were some of the saves that I'm sitting here in my recliner watching it, and I scream, and my wife says, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" Says you don't understand. He was in the zone. I mean, he was totally deked out, and he put his right leg out and made an awesome save. He was seeing pucks so clearly, and to go from a backup goalie, go, he was a minor league goalie in Providence team in Rhode Island, played with a lot of the Bruins at one time, who he was playing against, uh, to be playing in a hostile environment. I mean, they were nine and three going into that game. The Blues were on the road, so they knew how to play on the road. And they just rose to the occasion, and it was a great game. Um, I was just really impressed how the Blues really took it to the Bruins, and I texted Ernest, because we know something about getting older, that the Bruins were aging before our eyes. Weren't they, Ernest? Oh, yeah. yeah. First, first of all, Paul, since you've thrown shade my way, <laughs> I, did play, I did play pond hockey in Delaware. So, okay, I oh. mean, not, not to the levels you played, but uh, it, it – it, you know, again, it was the length of the seven-game series, and this this team is the first team to to come from last place since expansion. The first last team to do this was the Canadiens in '67. Not only that, they're the first team since the Montreal Maroons in 1934 
to actually have a losing record at home during the playoffs. And, and Bennington, who had to play for the, the Providence Bruins team because there was no space open in the San Antonio, which is the minor league team for the Blues. I mean, this kid, he didn't he didn't back down at all. He didn't play like a rookie. And Vladimir Tasarenko. Tasarenko has been an all-star for the last five years. And no one hears of him because he's in St. Louis. And Ryan O'Reilly to be the, the to get the Con Smythe to be the MVP is is truly amazing. I mean, this is a lot of teams of average. Tarasenko is the only true star, but a lot of these guys are just average players, and they play very very physical. They, I mean, the Bruins have always had this this reputation of being a borderline dirty physical team, yet St. Louis just. Beat him up physically. And I feel good for Jay Boymeister. Used to be a defenseman with the, the, the Florida Panthers. This is the first chance. He's one of those older players that you don't hear about. But Craig Berube, who is the coach, who was a borderline goon when he played for the Flyers. I mean, he just brought toughness to this team. And it, it was interesting when they interviewed Riley last night, they were asking him, like, well, you got you get a little credit to the old coach who we shall relieve nameless. And they're like, no, no. Craig Baroub, this is all Craig Baruby's job doing. And this is a guy who's universally appreciated all through the NHL. So really nothing more, Ernest. I, I was kind of hoping you were gonna allow well, me to I, I better do this. I was shocked. I was like, wait a minute. Well, well Ernest only talked for three and a half minutes. I didn't know what to yeah, do. Yeah, this will probably be the last time I get to talk hockey until next March. So I better <laughs> this was an interesting season in well, that respect. And the great thing about the NHL is in NBA and football and baseball, you, you got about three or four or five teams you know are gonna win the championship. And, and hockey, when the Stanley Cup Finals, when the playoffs start, it's wide open. All right, you guys. really have no. What do you think? Here. You hockey just got to get a hot goalie. Do you think hockey fans are the best fans around? I want to make an argument that the hockey fans show more class. They cheer at the right time. Late in the, we had an example of the NBA fans not too long ago cheering when Durant got hurt, um, and then just the idea that both teams line up and shake hands. And salute each oh. other at some point. Don't you think that it's a great tradition? I love NHL that. I love shows that. more class in some of their fans than other sports. Well, the fans do, unless Gary Bettman speaking. <laughs> it's a little the, Gary Bettman, for those who are not familiar with hockey, is the NHL commissioner, and he came from the NBA. He was one of David Stern's flunkies, and uh, under his uh, leadership, the uh, NHL owners uh, pretty much closed down the entire 2005 season. It's the only major four sport that, that lost an entire season due to a, a, uh, a shutdown. And hockey fans are so loyal that here we are 13 years later and they still have not <laughs> forgiven Gary Bettman for this. So, you know, it, they are classy. And again, the Bruins fans showed a lot of respect. And again, no matter what, I mean, you're hitting a guy, you're slew-footing him, you're hitting him from behind. You're breaking a stick over him. But when it comes to the end, they stand in line and they hug and they shake hands. And it's the only other place you see this is in youth league. But, you know, you, you'd never see this in football. and You never see this in baseball. And Lord knows basketball, there'd be a fight at midcourt if you tried to pull this off. Yeah, I, I love that about it. The one thing I do love about the Stanley Cup playoffs, too, is the, is the beards. How they don't shave mm -hmm. until... 
they they get out. I think that's kind of a cool tradition. Um, I love the hockey players. Just they they just tough it out. I feel like they just tough it out so much more than other athletes um, in other sports. Not and we're not obviously not talking about Durant, but you know there, there's guys that like eh, I probably could play. And hockey players are like, all right, if if all my limbs are still attached, I'm playing. I'm not, you know, if it's the playoffs, I'm playing. I want to be a hockey player. I'm a hockey player. I'm a tough guy. So, you know, they're the toughest guys, but the the great traditions of um, shaking hands after each series and how much respect you see. I don't, maybe you know this, Ernest, if there's ever been a fight when they've done those lines, but, you know, you see them, you see them playing really hard. You get some cheap shots, but at the end of the day, they, they have the respect for each other. Um, I, I, saw the, him, so. I saw the devastation on Brad Marchand face i mean he was literally breaking down crying i mean that there were bruins that that really thought they had that game coming in they were and they were listless in the first period i mean they were just it was like a blitzkrieg st louis just attacked from everywhere and they learned to come uh, on tuka rask and shoot from angles and follow up the rebounds and it just seems like the Bruins were a step low, but let's let's give another shout out. And Paul's done it already. Jordan Bennington set a record last night. It's the most wins in the playoffs by a rookie. He he broke the record held by many, including Cam Ward, who used to be with the uh, how does Carolina he not Hurricane. get most valuable player? That's why I want to know. Well, Riley has scored. He had a he had a point in every uh, game clinching win that the Blues had through the entire playoffs. I think they were looking at the whole scope. Now remember. He gave up five plus. Oh, that's or true. Gave up five in two of the Stanley Cup playoff games. So I think they're looking overall. I mean, again, a great effort by him and and by a rookie themselves. But Riley is, and Riley's never been considered a star. I mean, this is a fairly young team. Uh, Robert Thomas, who was injured, only got to play part of the uh, the finals. He's only eighteen years old. And, and uh, Sunvich and Shan and, and 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 some of these kids are very very young, but you never know. I and mean, that's with hockey. I mean, you, there are no favorites next year. We usually come out and we say the Lightning and the Penguins, but no one knows because if you get that hot goalie, that's the key to it. And Rask was that until his defenseman just got and and. Charles playing with a broke jaw. I mean, there's no other sport you could they'll allow you to do that. Mm. And he played. Yeah, that's what I mean. Games. Just that's a hockey player. That's the you know. I mean, sew it up, the, put some tape on it. Let's go. And the, I mean, as long as you got a pulse, you're going to play. And the Blues coach is an interim coach, which is crazy because he can go to any team that pays him the big bucks now. And didn't the Washington Capitals coach do that last year, where they didn't sign? tie him up to a long-term contract, and he went to the biggest bidder. Yeah, he went to the Islanders. Well, yeah, but that was – he wanted a long-term contract. And, you know, hockey coaches more than any other leadership, they're kind of disposable. I mean, it's not unusual for – I mean, look at the turnover in coaches every year in the NHL, usually five five to six. And so that's, that's – it's difficult unless, you know, you're uh, – someone like five rings who used to reside over in Detroit, whose son is Scotty the GM Bowman. in Chicago, uh, you're not going to get a long-term contract. You're year to year. I mean, they, I, they change co- coaches very often here. I feel like the blues coach, once they made the Stanley cup final should have just, they, I feel like the blues should have been like, okay, no more interim. We're going to drop the interim. You're now the head coach. I don't know why. I don't know why they still were. He was still technically an interim Coach, and I don't know, maybe I haven't seen anything yet, but 
you would think he's done everything he possibly can to get that head coaching job officially. Do? I don't know why they couldn't have said yeah. it going into game seven or even last night. Like he, you know, he's got the cup. Okay. Let's, let's let out a press release that we're dropping the interim coach. So, I mean, I don't know what more there is to evaluate. He brought him from last place to a Stanley cup. I don't know what more you need to do. So do you know who uh, the longest serving coach in the NHL is right now? How many years he's been coach? You do. John Cooper. He's only been in Tampa Bay five years. Former Ohio State football coach? Not that one. Not with Joe O J O N. No, not that one. But yeah, five years. I mean, that's you just don't see guys like a Whitey Herzog or a Belichick. And guys just you turnover is is consistent in hockey for coaches. Seems like all the coaches are on thin ice. (laughs) Bum bum bum. And we put a rest to the NHL season. I shall miss you because these two gentlemen will not let me talk about you again until March 2020. And <laughs> when the playoffs hey, you know begin. Love, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love hockey, hockey talk now ends. Unless we're talking about a Canadian league or a Russian league, I'm not really sure what more hockey we're going to see. Plus, we got the Olympic. Is the Winter Olympics next year, guys? Is that Ernest would know that? Is it is it winter or summer next year? Yeah, winter next year. Yeah. So you're going to have some. You know, we're in South Korea. I hope. <laughs> if it's still there yeah well our president will probably go over there and uh, start it off or something oh, by the we'll way see. we'll see Paul did you want any last words on the, the no no I cup? better stop talking I started to go political on this and this is a political free right. zone alright go ahead Nate alright alrighty so alright let's let's talk about what's coming up uh, I think we're oh, less you than nine the days away you want to less do the movies real fast we'll the, we'll, we're going to do the movies at the end Ernest. we're going to see if we have okay alright I thought all right, go ahead um, so the NBA draft's coming up. There's been a lot of um, speculation about what's going to happen with some of the draft picks, things like that. I think everybody knows overall, pending a devastating injury and warm-ups or something, um, that Zion's going number one. So my question to you guys is, if you're a GM, what if the, is there anybody out there that's going to be able to get the number one pick from New Orleans? Is there any trade you think would make sense for New Orleans to take to give up the number one pick in Zion? I'll start with Ernest this time. Ernest, if you had to guess. The only, the only rumors I've heard is, is the Knicks. But no, I don't think uh, New Orleans will have him for three years. That's, a, that's a, a very valuable asset. They're losing AD after next year. So I'd say no. He's, he's print up your – go ahead and order your Zion Williamson uh, Pelicans jersey. You're safe for three years. You know, so you you don't think there's anybody if you're a GM if you're if you're Griffin right now, and somebody calls you there's absolutely nothing like if somebody were to say I'll give you, let's just say Durant's under contract a few more years I'll give you Durant plus my six pick my seven pick, for for the number one pick would you do it would you take a dominant All Star a first there, yeah there's there's no player that you have under contract for three years that is comparable to what you would get out of Williamson. What about, what about, well, let's, let's hear what Paul has to say first and I'll throw out a scenario. So Paul, what do you, what do you think? You think there's any, any scenario that, you know, I think Pelican should trade Williamson. I don't think he's as good as he's been hyped up to be. I think he's going to be a decent player and his market value is never higher than right now. I think now is the time to trade him and get as much as you can or trade that pick somehow because um, I just don't think he's going to be the next uh, 
LeBron James or a step down even. I think he's two or three steps down. And yes, I think they need a good player there. But if they were really gutsy, they would trade him now. So let me throw this scenario out there. What okay. if the Lakers traded Zion to, I'm sorry, if the Pelicans traded the number one pick and got LeBron back, so now you've got LeBron, Davis would likely stay if LeBron's on the Pelicans, right? <laughs> you have LeBron, Drew Holiday, and Anthony Davis. What about that? Would you do that? Would you do yeah. that, Ernest? If, if you had uh, that option, do you, because LeBron's got what, two or three years left on his Lakers? Did he sign a four-year deal? Who is LeBron's agent? <laughs> Paul. Who, Rich Paul. Yeah, who is AD's agent? Rich Paul. And what was Rich Paul told New Orleans? Under no circumstances, you trade me to one of two teams, New York or one of the two L.A. teams. LeBron is not. LeBron would retire before he goes to New Orleans. He will well, he'd get traded. Out. He didn't put a no trade clause in. The power is in the players. He would sit out, which gives no value to New Orleans. There is no, and then you're getting an aging player who's 36 years old, and you're giving up. You don't. We don't know what Zion is. Uh, true, I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but you have an asset for three, four years possibly with a player option. From a financial aspect, you're not going to get an equal return on a controllable asset. LeBron, no. Durant's a free agent. Steph, they're not going to trade him. I just don't see anything out there where you'll get equal value or you would get an asset you could control for several years. That's how GMs look at it. What if the the Suns came in and said, we'll give you our next three number one picks? I think they can't do three in a row, right? So like the next two, a year gap, and then a third. So in in four years, you'd have their three number one picks in – Four years. Yeah, that, that's the Ted Stepien rule. Ted Stepien was the owner of Cleveland in the 80s, and he traded four number one draft picks. So now they don't let you do that anymore. Uh, how do you know that, that Williamson doesn't make Phoenix a top five team and you got, you're getting three draft picks in the 20s? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, yeah, based okay. on my knowledge of the Suns right now and their ownership, I, I, I don't think I'd worry too much about it. I feel like... Um, even Zion and Booker there, I, until I see some turnaround from the Suns, I still don't think. I think they're still going to be lottery-bound every year. Plus, with the new lottery rules, you know, they, they were the worst, one of the worst records, where they tied for the worst record, and they got the sixth pick. So it doesn't even matter. As long as they're in the lottery, you got a chance. But you don't so know. I, That's it. You don't know. And I, like I said, I just don't. I think with all the drama with AD, uh, you would be playing to an empty crowd if you traded Zion at this point. I think mm-hmm. they're they're limited. This controllable asset for three years. They're limited in the options. I don't think they get fair trade value draft picks. I mean, next year's draft isn't that exciting. And after top three picks, this draft's not exciting. You, you're taking chances that you're going to have a comparable talent. He may not be a superstar, but he has that public persona that draws people to the crowds and new Orleans finishes in the bottom in attendance. So for the owners, they're not concerned about winning championship or she's not concerned about championship. She's concerned about filling up the, the arena there in new Orleans. So no, I mean, I just, you're not going to get equal trade value. You're not going to get an asset for three years. Uh, you would alienate your, uh, your fan base. No, 
there's no way you can do this. Well, I would do have to agree with Paul. I think I feel like Zion's at his peak right now. I, I don't think I think I kind of all agree that we don't think he's going to be anything dominant, but we think he's going to be good. Um, so I, I would agree with Paul. I feel like his value is high right now. So I, I would I would explore it. If I was Griffin, I would say, hey, you know, what's out there? Let me see what I could find. Maybe I can get a superstar and, you know, a draft pick in another year. And then I trade AD and get a draft pick here, there, and a couple parts from, let's just say LA. And you can start building around that. So I don't know. I, I would, I would definitely say explore it. I wouldn't say absolutely. I'm not taking any phone calls about Zion. I'd still, I'd still, I'd still consider it, but I get, I get your guys what you're saying. So other than that, the trade talk, now we've kind of talked about Anthony Davis. So where do you think he goes? There's been speculation about, I think it's LA and Boston right now, but what about a dark horse? Kind of how Kawhi Leonard last year, Toronto wasn't in the discussion and they kind of came out of the blue um, and made the trade to the Spurs and DeRozan went to um, San Antonio and Kawhi Leonard, you know, as we're seeing, they're, they're now in the play in the, in the uh, NBA finals. I almost said Stanley Cup finals. I don't know what I was thinking there. I don't think I don't know. <laughs> Toronto, you're talking about Canada, so it's natural. Yeah. I, so I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, Kawhi is pretty good. Maybe he would be a good hockey player. We'll know. Um, so that worked out for them. So do you guys see? What do you guys think? Do you think there's? It's going to be absolutely LA. It's absolutely going to be Boston. Or do you think there's a dark horse out there? So we'll start with Paul this time. Well, we focus so much on the Knicks in New York that we forget about the Nets. And we focus so much on the Lakers in the West, and we forget about the Clippers. And Clippers look like they're going to be in real good shape, whether they get Leonard or maybe even if they get AD. I don't know. I think the Clippers are really in good shape with Doc Rivers to make a big a lot of noise. And I predict they'll have a better record than L.A. next year. I know LeBron's in L.A. and he's rested this year and everything. But once again, like Ernest has told us, not a lot of people line up to play with LeBron anymore. They don't want the drama. They don't want the group of people that he hangs around with telling them what to do. And L.A. is a mess with their home office. And why not? You could play for the Clippers, get all the attention, nice weather and all that, and maybe play with Kawhi. Who knows? So... My prediction is watch the Clippers, and I think the Nets are doing a great job, and I'll throw in my little plug for Karis LeVert, who's a really up-and-coming slasher player. He's probably their best, one of their best players this last year, who I think is a good compliment or to Kyrie for this next year if Kyrie goes there. All right, so Ernest, what do you think? Rich Paul came out to Sports Illustrated this week and said, told Boston, said if you trade for AD, you're only going to have him for one year. That AD will go free agent and he will consider the Knicks, the Nets, the Clippers, and the Lakers. And Paul, by the way, Clippers had a better record than the Lakers this year. Oh, that's they were right. How did I forget that? They were in the playoffs. I'm talking about next year, uh, though, man. Uh, it's it, the Brooklyn thing's interesting because it kind of looks like Kyrie's going there because he signed with Rock Nation, which is Jay Z's. Uh, agency and Jay-Z used to own part of the Nets, but at the same time, D'Angelo Russell, who's a free agent, I, I can't, I can't see the Nets re-signing both because they're both ball heavy guards. They both have to have the ball to, to be effective, but you got Dinwiddie there. You've got a, a lot of nice places. You know, Brooklyn made the playoffs this year. Brooklyn is a pretty decent Jared team. Allen. Yeah, and Jared, Jared Allen, but you know, Jared Allen is He's only 21 years old, played one year at Texas. 
you got a lot of depth. You got uh, Harris from Virginia coming off the bench as a, kind of a shooting guard. There, there's depth on that team, and the coach there is pretty decent. Kenny Atkinson is an underrated coach. Now, if I had asked y'all before this, would you have known who the head coach was of the Nets? No. Okay, it's Kenny Atkinson. Uh, who? That, and then they're the East. Who? Kenny, At- Kenny Atkinson. Where's is the he from? Nets coach. He was a D-League coach. You're seeing a lot of that. Nick Nurse of Toronto was a D-League coach. And you're seeing guys come up that's, you know, particularly with the affiliation now, the, the NBA teams are they're, they're not only using D-League to prepare for their players or their rookies or their free agents. They're getting their assistant coach, their head coaches and assistant coaches in there also. Uh, the Brooklyn situation is, is Sean Marks is the general manager there. Sean Marks used to play in the NBA. He's from New Zealand. Uh, he knows the NBA. He was the assistant general manager there for a long time. That's a pretty stable situation. Unlike the Knicks, unlike the Lakers, the Clippers. Uh, of course, you, you, you've got uh, Doc Rivers as the coach. And uh, the uh, assistant coach is, oh, I forgot, his, uh, the uh, his general manager is one of David's favorite. He used to call him Darling Little, whoever he is. But uh, those are stable groups. I see the Nets and the Clippers actually getting the free agent. And when you look at the free agency, next year's class is rough. But everybody's talked Durant, Irving, Leonard, but you got Kimball Walker, you you got Clay Thompson, you got Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, D'Angelo Russell, Porzingis, Vukovic from Magic. Okay, that's 11 all stars. I just named their free agents. So, all right. So, you kind of, you get, we, it sounds like we kind of think it's going to be the Nets and Clippers from both you guys. I, I think, I don't know about the Nets. I don't, I just don't know what they have to trade um, outside of unless they were to re sign Russell in the sign and trade. They gave up some parts. Um, I think just getting Kyrie Irving for the Nets, I, I don't know if they necessarily need to get Anthony Davis. I feel like that would kind of hurt what they're building now because I think they'd have to give up too much for him. Um, but I, I, I can see the Clippers too, but I don't think they have the high enough draft picks that I think New Orleans is kind of after. But again, you, you always throw in a third team. You never know what you can what you can get out of this. So you, you could always do something with the – the Nets, the Suns need a point guard. Maybe you could do something with a sign and trade with Russell. Russell goes there, number six, and somebody else comes back from the Suns. That gets packaged into the what the Nets can offer to New Orleans, and that works out for everybody. So we'll see with that. So another thing we have is Kevin Durant. So he got hurt um, in the last game. He's likely going to be out the next uh, basketball season, 2019-2020. So what team do you think he's going to go to, knowing that he's going to sit out a year? Do you think he just resigns with Golden State, or do you think he's out the door somewhere else? And if you're if you're a fan of, let's just say, you were to go to the Knicks, are you excited knowing Durant's basically in a red shirt a year? So, Ernest, we'll, we'll start with you this time. Well, he's got two choices with the Warriors. If he opts into his current contract, he gets $31 million for next year for setting down. And, and I remember everybody saying losing a year, but uh, Cousins – tore up his Achilles last year too. And he came back in the middle of the year. So it may not be an entire year uh, or he can go long-term. Uh, I would think with this type of injury, he's going to look for a long-term contract. Now there's only one NBA player who's come back and been just as ineffective as he was 
before an Achilles tendon injury. And that was Dominique Wilkins. But see, Dominique did it at age 21. And he had, his scoring actually went up. Isaiah Thomas had to retire. Kobe was a shell of himself. Cousins, as you can see right now, is not the same ball player he was before. It's hard for big men to come back from Achilles tendon injuries. Uh, again, the history is you're not the same ball player. So if I was a fan of a team that was thinking, no, no, he's going to be 32 years old when he returns, even at the end of next year, you're going to see a decline. Age alone, he won't be the same ball player. This injury, he will be a shell of himself. Uh, Amari Stoudemire is a great example. You being a Suns fan, you remember how effective he was for the Suns when he played uh, that eight seconds or less offense? He oh, he was his, fun to watch. He was so much fun. He, yeah, when when he left to go to uh, New York, the Knicks. He most tore Suns up his fans were most Suns fans were not really that hurt because they everybody was very has you know nervous about his knees. Um, so I didn't realize he had hurt his Achilles after that, but. I know his knees were such an issue that everybody was just like, you know, how much work are they going to do on these knees? And, you know, especially being in the Suns offense with that eight seconds or less, we just kind of feel like there was way too much wear and tear. And I think the Knicks just paid so much for him. And the Suns wisely said, all right, that's, you know, it's too rich for our blood. And it's a, it's a bummer because I loved watching Stoudemire play, but it was such a bummer when he went to the Knicks. And I don't just, think the Warriors will offer him a long-term contract. I mean, he can opt in for the one year, but I, I, Sean Marks said yesterday at ESPN that he knows the three NBA teams will offer him long-term contracts. I would, I mean, I, there's a difference nowadays. You do a long-term, you do have a buyout, you can get under the cap, but I just don't see anybody taking it, except for publicity reasons. Why would you do this? I mean, All, I think he's go. he had the surgery in New York, so maybe maybe the uh, the Knicks make sense because he'll be by the doctor that did the surgery. Um, that could still happen with Brooklyn too, but um, I guess that'd be my, my guess if he, if he doesn't stay. But I mean, how mean would that be if he opts in to the contract right now and stays with Golden State, collects his $30 million and does zero? He does nothing. And not to mention the fact that he's hurting the cap for Golden State for them to re-sign Clay or Mac, you know, uh, give another player some more money. So I don't and, know. But Paul, what do you and think? realize the next year's free agent class is not as good as this one. So he'd be out there all by himself if he does that. Well, I want to back up the bus a little bit here. So when he got hurt, when Durant got hurt the first time, I remember my son texted me thinking, I think Durant just tore his Achilles. But then they announced he hurt his calf muscle. And I'm thinking, okay, but he was out for a long time for a calf muscle, it seemed like to me. And then when he was cleared to come back, and I watched him warm up before the game, and he was hopping around, he dunked, he looked pretty good. And then when they showed the slow motion of him being injured, did you guys see that? Where his see that little pop in his yeah, it just his foot hits the other guy's foot, and then a pop, and you go, is that all it took? And it made me think, was it already vulnerable? Was it already close to tearing? But the way that the general manager for Golden State reacted. It must not have even been on their mind that he could have tear, uh, tore a ACL. Not ACL, I mean Boy, Achilles. Was he, a, he was a drama queen. Good gracious, that was an act. Well, so the, 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 the worst side of fans think, oh, he was already injured and he used this as an opportunity to try. And then as soon as he fell a little bit, he laid down. That's the worst side of fans. The best side of fans will say, 
hey, man, he didn't have to risk. He deserves $31 million next year because he didn't have to go out on the court this last week. And so my prediction is that he will sign the one year with Golden State, then he'll sign with another team. And because he's such a great shooter, Ernest, I think he's a different category than those other players you talked about. Like uh, Stoudemire had to do a lot physicality, but Durant can shoot from anywhere. Plus, at his height, he doesn't need a lot of separation to get that shot off. So I think he might not be the dominant player rivaling the best player in the league like he has been, but I think he still can be a really good number two or three after this injury. Yeah, I think he wants to be paid like a number one. And basic anatomy, the bottom of the calf is what? Yeah, your Achilles. Achilles, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Did he have this problem all along and then he re-aggravated it? I don't know. I think this could have happened. It's just one of those quirks. You look at Achilles tendon injuries, and guys are usually just walking around, and then they act like they're shot. I think this could have happened in practice. This this could have. I mean, I don't. I don't think they're connected. I really don't. I don't. Everybody can can roll around, and and, and again, the the uh, Bob Myers, who's the GM of Golden State, mm-hmm. did a great acting job. Let's give him an Academy Award. No, for this. you didn't think that Beating was real. You, you, no, I don't think. Good gracious. I mean, man, cynical kind of city here, man. What message are you giving your team? Like, oh, I've destroyed this guy's career. Hey, dude, we're still in the playoffs. All right. You know, we still have a chance to win, oh, though. That's the league won the finals without him. They yeah. Well, I mean, that's it. I thought that was overreaction. And I thought that was a, it was nobody's fault. Achilles injuries happen. And, you know, Kobe was a pretty good scorer, too. Now, Kobe was two years older when he tore up his Achilles tendon. But uh, you're not going to get the – I mean, we've seen the best of Kevin Durant. I hate to say that, but that's that's the fact at this point. And do you think Nick Nurse should have called that timeout? That's the other big talking point from that last game, that they were on a roll, but he should he have given Kawhi a rest there, yes or no? You know, he knows his team better than – than others, and if he felt that they, some of his guys looked tired and he wanted to give him a break right before the timeout to give him basically an extra timeout because I think when they go under three minutes, they lose the timeout. Um, you know, it's a strategy, and it, if, it pay, if it worked, if they would have won, it, everybody would have said, oh, that's a smart move. You know, he gave him some extra time, you know, extra breathers. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I like the call. I think that's, that's him coaching. That's a coach making a decision. Hey, I want to get my guys an extra breather because hey this might be it i want to make sure they're well rested i i didn't hate it and i don't like that they are blaming the time out for it um but I, to me it's it's fine i did have a joke for it before i got i got uh, ernest was sorry. talking about how how the toronto coach is from the d league and i kind of thought he'd be from the a league being the toronto coach so anyway sorry had to get that well, yeah bit. and i don't think the timeout. i mean nowadays with with the reviews and the TV timeouts, I don't, I don't think it's that big a deal. I mean, you hear old coaches all the time, oh, you got to save your timeout. There's so many time stoppages at the last minute of a basketball game. I mean, they're going to get the rest. So it's just I a mean, hot sports play. take is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, he didn't miss the shots. I mean, Lowry was he, – he's probably glad that Draymond – deflected that ball because like it was going to hit the side of the basket. <laughs> I mean, he didn't miss the shots at the end of the game. They had a six-point lead and they blew it. I don't think the timeouts were the problem. I think before, it was before let me, I was an interjector in this that it's kind of funny because you think about how Lowry's 
ball got tipped and he was happy to blame that it, you know, happy to say that it was tipped, right? So he can kind of deflect some of the blame. But you think about like the Bears, right? Their kicker after what is it like the next day they said, Oh, it got tipped. It got tipped. That's the reason why it hit the upright. It's because it got it got tipped. It kind of there was there's a little connection there between those two. So it just kind of made me chuckle that it's like, oh, he tipped it. He tipped it. It wasn't that I had a bad shot. It got tipped. So it, it would have gone in, right? So anyway, go ahead, Ernest. So you're saying I think Ernest blame just is on his teammate. His teammates passed the ball. I mean, you had two guys open that yeah. gave up the ball for the shot. No one had the guts to take the last second, last winning shot. That that would trouble me as a coach more than the timeouts. Mm. All right. Well, Ernest, good news. We got a little bit of time left, so we can talk about favorite hockey movies. I, I'm sure you're going to be pretty excited, and Paul's going to be excited. I'm going to go first this time. I'm um, just thinking about it. So I kind of almost have a tie of my two favorite movies. And the reason being is one, I feel like is just historical. Great moment is miracle. To me, it's like the my number two movie right after Rudy. Um, and a close third would be the Mighty Ducks, because honestly, the Mighty Ducks, when I was a kid growing up in Arizona, we didn't have a hockey team. So that kind of got me excited about hockey. I started following the um, the North Stars from Minnesota just because I had seen two players in the movie. Um, it it kind of got me excited. I actually got a, a net and a, uh, a stick out in the front yard, and which is in Arizona. It's basically street hockey. You're wearing tennis shoes. Um, so I, I, to me, those are my two favorite movies. But I think at this day and age, I really like um, Miracle's my favorite. But honestly, like I, the other day, I watched Mighty Ducks with my kids, and I, I think they were pretty excited about it. So those are my two favorite movies. Uh, since I think Ernest is going to be a little bit ramble, we're going to go with Paul next. So what's, what's yours, Paul? <laughs> okay. I'm going to agree with you. Miracle, I think, is by far the best just playing hockey movie. And plus, I was a senior in high school in 1980, and I was playing hockey for a high school team. And we didn't have a too good of a year, to be honest. And we were playing our crosstown rival, Dow High, where your wife went to, by the way, Nate. I can't believe she went to Dow High. Anyways, so I went to Midland High, and we had lost to him twice before earlier that year, and I had received a little bit of the blame being the goalie. So right before we played him a third time, my coach came over and he says, what can we do? And I said, if you can clear the slot, I can get the first shot. Just help me with the rebounds. And we won 3-2, to two, and, and then watching the hockey, U.S. hockey team winning it just was so sweet. So when Miracle came out, um, it was just awesome because it really captured Herb Brooks and challenging the players. And hockey players, if they give ultimate effort, they get ultimate results. I think you see that with the Blues. Just they never stop skating hard. And just all the underdog um, story of Miracle, I think, really plays in it too. Now, if you're asking me what I want to go out and just enjoy with a bunch of buddies, Slapshot has got to be there way up there. I have a feeling that's Ernest's favorite hockey movie. Well, I get the top three also, like y'all did, right? So my third favorite is Mystery Alaska. Uh, it's a nice oh, little comedy. Good. Yeah, yeah. They, if you notice, they don't let Russell Crowe do a lot of skating. <laughs> no, you, you never actually. Not a lot of Australian hockey players. That was Burt Reynolds does a great job as a mentor. There's a great little line when they interview a little boy about his toy horse on the sidelines. Um, and Mike Myers does a great cameo as this old hockey player, you know, kind of a Don Cherry type in it. it it's just a, a great, funny, funny, heartwarming movie about a little town that, that, that they grew up in pond hockey. Number two, I saw in 1977, and I'm old enough that Paul Newman was the epitome of cool. 
Paul Newman in Slapshot. And I've been to enough minor league games that I, I, I understand the atmosphere of Slapshot. And the Hanson brothers, these three morons that they bring on to be goons. And back in the 70s, goon hockey was very popular. The fights is what... People went to go see, see the fights in hockey. Slapshot is just a funny movie. And it, even 50 years later, it holds up real well. It's a neat little movie. They've made sequels, which can't hold a candle to it. And for somebody who, who remembers the miracle on ice, who unfortunately had to watch the game. And a lot of people don't realize the USA Russia game was a semifinal. The final game was against Sweden, but Kurt Russell who y'all disdained last week is not a superstar actor. I have not forgotten that. Come on, get over Earth. Kurt, I think yeah. he did a good job. I think he did a good job. He did a good he job. He is Herb Brooks, and they clean up a lot of what Herb Brooks really said. <laughs> well, it was a Disney movie, so that yeah, the Disney. Be but the little, little speech. Oh yeah, the little speech before the Russia game. NBC should where, learn lessons from Disney. I think. Well, yes, particularly have the five second delay on it. The little speech where he. He pumps the kids off, and as he's walking out of the locker room and says, you were born to play hockey. I mean, that just even now runs chills to me. And in that movie, to play the, the players, they actually brought on college hockey players, not actors. And that made it look authentic. And the great little thing at the end, they play Dream On by Aerosmith, is that they run a comparison of the young men and the actual players and the last shot is a shot of Herb Brooks. And he died during the production of the movie. And it, it tells you that at the end. It says he never got to see the movie, but he lived it. Mm-hmm. And that's just oh, it's just a great ending to a movie. It's, it's a USA. great ending. USA. 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 I mean, it's funny I mean, because I, once we moved up here to Connecticut, um, one of the first places I wanted to go visit was Lake Placid. We ended up going for my birthday. Um, and I got to go see the arena. It's still there. They basically built a museum around it. You walk in there and people still use the rink. It's used. Uh, there was a game going on when I went in there, but it's called Herb Brooks Arena. It has all the banners. It's got just between the two sections, there's these little banners and it's got every player's name on it all the way around. Um, just, it kind of gave me chills walking in there, having seen the movie so many times and, and love the historical aspect of it. Um, it's just, you know, it was just really cool to go in there and see it. Um, but that's what kind of got me up there. I wanted to go see Lake Placid because of the movie. Um, do you believe and in then it was a beautiful little town? It was, it was really cool to see. Um, and then I ended up doing like a bobsled run cause they still have, um, some training up there. I got to do the bobsled and the nice. um, skeleton, which was really cool. But honestly, the reason why I went up there is cause I really wanted to see the, uh, the arena. And then they still have the 1932 rink there too, mm. because a lot of people don't remember the Lake Placid hosted the 1932 Olympics too. So that rink's right next to it. It's kind of adjacent to it. So you can actually see both arenas like if you want to go in there. And when you're outside the building, it's got the Olympic rings on it. Um, and literally when you walk outside of it, you can look out and see like where they had the little stadium and they had the opening ceremony. So it's really cool. But it, that I got to say, like if I had not if Miracle hadn't been there, I don't think I ever would have been interested in going to Lake Placid. But Miracle, and then I love the soundtrack in Miracle too. The um, the, the music score. Mm. One of the things I loved about Rudy is the music score, and I love the score in um, in Miracle too. There's like I think four really long songs, but like obviously the music they played in the in the Miracle, I still get I still get goosebumps even when Al Michaels says 
you know, do you believe in miracles? And I know they actually dubbed the official one into the end of that movie um, because they wanted Al Mike. They Al Michaels, I think, said he'd never be as excited as he was in the moment. And so they actually dubbed in the original. Do you believe in miracles? Um, so that was that was really cool. And you learn more about the movie. Um, if you get bored, you can go up and learn learn the facts about about miracle. It's kind of fun to to see all that stuff. So, you know, the trivia about that 1932 uh, rink that you saw. No, I don't. I, what's the trivia? 1960 was the other time that USA won the gold and it was on the 1932 track and the USA team won in 1960. They won gold there. And the last player cut from the 1960 team. Here you go. They talk about it in the movie. It was her Brooks. Mm. Now I got to ask Paul a question. Mm Mm-hmm. That's when we had amateurs, yes. well, American amateurs, the professionals with Russia, the Red Army team that played together, uh, uh, Trediak, who was the greatest goalie of all time. Uh, would you want to go back to amateurs? Are you okay with pros playing? In, 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 in last Olympics, we didn't have we had amateurs because the NHL didn't have an agreement with the Olympic Committee to let the professionals play. In the immortal words of Bon Jovi, you just can't go home. Uh, you can't go back. You got. You can't go back to the amateurs. You got to stick with the pros. And if you want a good read of a book, read Al Michaels' book on being a sportscaster. You don't realize how many different sports he's done and all the things he's done. But his couple chapters on the Olympics is are that's amazing reading, and you should look at it. But I do think we've lost a little something with just a bunch of amateurs just totally dedicating themselves to it. But I don't know. Olympic hockey still has a lot of nationalistic feel and a lot of pride, especially for the Canadians every year when they play the Americans. And and uh, you might groan at this one, but women playing each other, women hockey in Olympics is really good too, especially U.S. against uh, Canada. They're really chippy. They're pretty rough. And uh, it's it's pretty good hockey as well. That seems to be the finals every every Olympics. Oh, yeah. I think what the past five or six when U.S. or when uh, they've had women's hockey, I think it's always been Canada versus U.S. U.S. won the first ever Olympics um, when they had it, and then I think Canada swept it, and then recently USA beat them. But that's that's a great matchup. You're right, you're right, Paul. And that's that's the kind of fun of it. I like the amateurs. I mean, I got to be honest. When the Dream Team came out for NBA basketball, that was that was just a ton of fun to watch. Um, as a USA fan, I mean, you get seen all your favorite players like an all-star team. But I think when it comes to hockey, it would be kind of fun to see amateurs still in it. Um, but I, you're right. It's hard to go back. But I feel like if everybody made the agreement to go back, I'd still be excited to watch um, hockey in the Olympics. I absolutely love to watch it. Um, but, you know, it's, it seems like we're not we're not there um, with the with the pros i think we got to the did we get to the semifinals not this last one but the year before or did we make the finals and we lost to canada i can't remember but so that was vancouver that was ooh, 10 years ago is that when it was yeah vancouver, that, that was that yeah. was good but i feel like we had an upset to get to the finals and then we lost to canada Paul, and then the Paul. past ones we haven't we just haven't been as good like i think we we beat russia and that was kind of our achievement, and that was just in pool play, right? We didn't even, yeah, we didn't do nothing. I think we bounced in the oh, first, no. yeah, that's what happened. Paul, game, so Paul brings up a good point. Uh, oh, good, one. name me another announcer who's done the big four sports like Gal Michaels, Brett Musburger, 
Vern Lundquist. Uh, he's the more of a Buck. I'll say Joe. I Buck. haven't. I haven't I heard Buck. Buck do hockey. I haven't heard uh, Musburger do hockey. Kirk Gowdy. Kirk Gowdy didn't do hockey. He did baseball and football. Uh, Keith Jackson basketball. Jackson Jackson did football and baseball and basketball. He did NBA in the seventies. Who's the guy that was the water boy alongside Brett Musburger? Who was the other guy with the beard? Oh, that's Dan Fouts. Did he do anything besides football? Mm-mm. No, no, just I feel like he did some some other sport. I think okay. Tirico has the best chance of anybody out there doing them all. But he's with uh, Doc Emmerich still around. He's not going to get a chance to do hockey. Yeah, there's, we don't appreciate what Doc has done. I mean, uh, Kelly. When I was a kid, uh, Red, Red Kelly, Kelly did a real good job. Yeah, out of St. Louis, and he did the national broadcast. But Doc is just. He he reads the mood. He does, and hockey, I would tell you now. I've only broadcast football, basketball, and baseball. Only. I would not try hockey. I would not try hockey. Is you've read the flow, and the identification yeah. that would be difficult to do. Baseball is the easier because baseball is much more relaxed. And if you do like a season of baseball, it's it's almost like a podcast. You go into different topics because there's a lot of downtime. Football in basketball pretty much is you describe the action, but hockey would be. Oh, I had a, I had an opportunity to do minor league hockey 25 years ago, and I I I knew better. I know I somebody. Tim Ryan was a CBS. Uh, yeah, and he did uh, sports. He did uh, hockey as well, and um, so he he's not a big name, but he might have done all four. He did NHL on NBC uh, with uh, oh the guy for the Red Wings just passed away Ted Lin- Ted Lindsay right he did uh, NFL football for CBS I don't remember baseball I do remember college basketball he did do college basketball for CBS I like I said I don't recall him doing baseball that's the only one I mean Michaels is and and I and Nate you may not be aware of this when uh, Al Michaels does Monday night football or when he does Sunday night football, when he's done both, he eats a meal during the game. He eats a seven course meal. <laughs> That's says, funny. I didn't he, know that. That says he slows himself down. He doesn't get overly excited. And it, it, it helps him keep pace. This is a little, very people. And I see, had an opportunity to see him up in a booth. I got a chance, uh, an exhibition game at Williams Bryce stadium in columbia oh my 25 years ago and luckily i got to sit in and watch him and he eats as he does it and he does it just very relaxed very converse he is the pros pro i mean i know people get upset because he works in the gambling references (laughs) like gambling goes on in sports you know i feel like in the end of casablanca here's your winnings you know i mean that's that is the reason a lot of people watch the sport degenerate gamblers like both of you uh but i mean he's just he's topical he's just i have seen no slippage and i've watched the man since he was doing reds games did you say slippage or shrinkage no slippage no not seinfeld oh oh, sorry just as good as he was when i was watching him do local broadcasts for the cincinnati reds back in the 70s you know, I, I gotta say, I love Michaels. I think I'm. I think he's probably one of my favorite announcers, if not my favorite, besides Al McCoy. But Al McCoy is just kind of a 
childhood. I, I'm just a fan of, of him with the Phoenix Suns. He's a Phoenix Suns announcer. has been there forever. Um, but I feel like Michaels is the only reason why I don't put Sunday Night Football on mute. If, if I have to listen to Collinsworth, I just... <laughs> oh, I just want to put my head through a wall, but I, I like listening to Michaels. I almost wish Collinsworth would eat some food, maybe like a 12 corpse meal. So he would barely talk, but, oh, I can't stand the guy, but Michaels is fantastic. I think he's, I think he's great. So, uh, guys, we got to kind of wrap this up. So Paul, do you have anything, any last words? I'm looking forward to watching some baseball, relaxing. I wish I was down at Ernest's pool so we could just float around and, talk old day old man sports like we used to but we do it on the podcast anyway for your entertainment Ernest, what do you got anything any last minute we're looking at father's day if you are lucky enough that your father's still alive get off your butt go see him if you can if you're not pick up the phone because as males we use our father as a model for behavior We try to be the father that our father was. We try to be the man that our father was. Our most cherished memories are just throwing baseball with our dad. You saw a field of dreams. That's all the guy wanted to do was in. A game of catch with his dad. Those precious memories. And if you are a father, realizing you're modeling the behavior of young, your daughter, your your sons, and believe it or not, the stupid things you say to them, they'll say later on, because I'm finding that out. My two sons say the same dumb thing. To your I wife's said. delight. Oh, yes, yes. And now my grandchildren are repeating the same thing. You are, Don't. as a father and a grandfather, you have been bestowed with a precious gift. You are influencing the lives of your prodigy. And you are trying to get them past the bumps and bruises of life, the disappointments, but enjoy their enjoyment, their good times, their happiness, revel with them. Know that what you've been blessed with is also precious and never take it for granted and appreciate every moment because we don't know what's around the corner. All right. Yeah. I, I gotta say my, my kids are, um, five and three and it's, it's, it's exciting no matter what, however the day goes at the end of the night, mom puts them to bed, but they can't go to bed until I walk in there and say, good night. They'll, they'll stay up. Uh, I got home 30 minutes after they went to bed and they were both waiting for me, um, tonight. So it's those little things that, uh, no matter how much they drive you crazy at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting. And it's funny you talk about modeling them because how they model things after you because I know that my daughter's usually she's pretty good, but every once in a while she'll do something bad. I said, Okay, you're not gonna get dessert tonight. And I'll hear her talking to her younger brother sometimes, like, if you do that, you're gonna not gonna get dessert. <laughs> it just sounds like a miniature version of yourself. And you just kinda overhear it and chuckle. So um, so everybody, yeah. You so sure enjoy. she's just not listening to a Pink Floyd <laughs> album? That sounds like a line out of Pink Floyd, but go ahead. You ain't going to eat the meat. You're not going to get your pudding. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, for Paul, Ernest, and myself, have a great night or evening or Ernest, nothing. Morning, morning really. Evening. Leave it for uh, you. Father's good day. morning, afternoon, brunch, uh, mid-afternoon break. Sunista, sunset, oh, whatever. Nap on have, a Father's have a Day afternoon. Have a good there life. There you go. Have a good night, good guys. Good luck and prosper. Wow.